What's up, people? Yeah, my voice is a bit messed up. I'm going to chat to you anyway. So, July comedy dates. On the 3rd of July, we have the tip boxes preview at the Cavendish Arms. That's me, Duffy Connors, and Shana Johan. That's, the last, that's probably your last chance to see us as a threesome before we head off to the crazy town of Edinburgh. Um, so that's on July 3rd. On July 6th, I'm at Healing Comedy at South Kensington. On July 11th, I'm at Healing Comedy in Ealing. Um, July 13th, I'm at Healing Comedy in South Kensington. That's a lot of healing I'm doing this month. Uh, July 16th, I'm at Monty's in Brick Lane, which is a great night. So get yourself down to that as well. On July 17th, I'm at Comedy Cabin. Also a great night. That's in Hoxton. July 18th, I'm at the Boogaloo in Highgate. Fantastic night on my David Lewis. On July 20th, I'm back at Healing Comedy at South Kensington. On July 24th, I'm back at Monty's in Brick Lane. And July 25th, I'm at Healing Comedy in Ealing. And that'll be the last comedy date so far until I head off to Edinburgh in August, um, where I will be there from August 1st to August 25th with Sean and Johanna Duffy Corners at Dropkick Murphy's Bar from 6.45 to 7.45, doing our split show, The Tip Boxes. If you're in Edinburgh, get yourself down to that, because that is going to be a fucking mammoth, amazing, hilarious show. But today, however, I'm so, I've been so excited to get this out to you guys. Um, I have, My guest today is someone who combines comedy and drumming. His name is Alex Fox. He is doing his second Edinburgh show this. He's doing his second Edinburgh show this August. He is is a great conversation that we had in a coffee shop in Notting Hill. It was just a great experience to speak to someone who I'd never met before and just have such a great and open, honest rapport with them almost immediately. So please give it up for the wonderful Alex Fox. Fox, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much for inviting me to my childhood toy shop. Yeah, I was going to ask about that when you, <laughs> well, a few seconds ago when you told me that it was your childhood toy shop. Um, how, long, how long have you lived in the area for? I, well, I lived, I lived yeah. where we are for, for uh, 18 years or something, but um, moving about a bit, but always in this area. I didn't realise it had turned into such a sort of bougie, uh, bougie flapjack affair, but here we are, uh, yeah. It's very nice to be part of it. Um, um, what do you think of the gentrification of the of the, of, uh, the area that we're actually in? Um, I think that uh, people always like gentrification when it's done. I think I think that's what I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> no one like. I notice. Uh, I notice. Uh, Fascinating silence from those people yeah. who live there to start with. Yeah. Um, to be fair, it's always very nice around here. I would admit yeah. that. I live in, I live in a slightly rough a bit around the corner, uh, but not, not, but relatively, Notting Hill rough is not that rough. <laughs> it isn't. Uh, I mean, you've, got, um, you've got Stonebridge and Stones Row away, you've got Labyrinth Grove. Yep. I quite like the series. I sort of grew up on, well, I've always had family around Kensal Rise kind of area. I need to get my hair cut around Kensal Rise. A little while ago, as you can probably see. But like, <laughs> um, you know, then, you, then you know it. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. I used to really resent the Notting Hill Carnival as a child. Oh, I can imagine. But, but, but um, I've never been. Oh, mate, don't bother. It's oh, just, it's just the worst. I can imagine. Like, I've got family members who go to it, and it's a lot of dancing, a lot of crowds, and I'm just like... Yes, unfortunately, what it's turned into is exactly, I presume, what the architects of the National Carnival didn't want, which is what it's turned into is a lot of lovely girls called Penelope from, yeah. 
from prep stores in Putney all yeah. going have their first beer and go oh look at me I've, I've had a red stripe look at me aren't I yeah. a raster aren't uh, I yeah. aren't I cultured <laughs> yes, I've had a exactly. split yeah exactly it's like you know oh I do have black friends because I'm standing near some guys like exactly like it is just like that and it's a bit, it's very cringe I think uh, <laughs> I think say that about a lot of parades and things though like, I think uh, they do lose their meaning after a while oh, yeah. once, once, uh, once companies get involved like we've got pride coming up I mean not not that I'm celebrating that but good luck to you if you are but like that has become something so different to what it was meant to be. Yes, I, I, I imagine that. It, yes, these things seem, seem to be hijacked, or not that's rude, but seem yeah. to be um, influenced by different sort of agendas, which is which is which is odd because you think you just make make your own make your own festival. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> make your own march. Um, but yes, anyway, thank you very much for inviting me. Ah, oh, no worries, man. So, what have you been up to today? I have been, and a lovely segue by the way. Yeah. I have been. Um, writing my second show, my Aye, current show. Good for you. Thank you very much. It's been a uh, a long afternoon whereby I sit in um, an array of public houses in, 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 in the Holland Park area, trying to justify sort of having a pint over two and a half hours. Um, but but uh, still stunned by the sort of six pound pint, which I will never get used to. Oh, um, but yes, I've been trying to do that, and I've, and I've uh, on, on the specifics, I've been taking apart the. Um, the middle of my show, which, okay. if I'm honest, could do with some work. So, your yeah. first show, and it's your second show of Edinburgh, right? This is my second solo so, show, right, yeah. So, uh, your first solo show was called Ringo, correct? That is correct, yes. yes. It so, was 2017, yeah. Yeah, so, what, let's go back to that. Sure. What was the inspiration? Well, obviously, Ringo Starr, but <laughs> what made you want to do a show focused on that member of the Beatles? Ah, okay. So, um, it was very much a show... Uh, Structured around 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 me, uh, Ringo yeah. was secondary to it. Yeah. Uh, the idea being, it was a show exploring why one becomes interested in uh, in music, in my case, drumming, and, and and perhaps like the influence of family on that. Cause my dad was a drummer, and his dad was a drummer too. Um, so what happened then was is um, and I'm, you know you know this, people listen to know this, but ultimately you start uh, bending the truth is what I would say so so um, in my case I went to a drum workshop by this guy called Bill Burford who, uh, sorry Bill Bruford who was in um, in Yes the band Yes and what I did then is I I turned it from that into something I think we're going to have a conversation here I'm so sorry about that sorry uh, if you're listening at home we've just been chatted to by a, a member of the public which is yeah. fine uh, we both yeah. signed off for us that's for it, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so what I did I went to a, a drum clinic by this guy from Yes um, uh, the old pro rock band and it really influenced uh, how I played the drums as a kid. What I then did is I switched it into this idea about Ringo Starr because he is a famous Beatle yeah. and there's a lot of comedy inherent within that. So um, that's where that came from. Um, I do tell some interviewers that I yeah. had this whole backstory with Ringo Starr, but I won't lie to you, I didn't. Oh, good, good. <laughs> um, I think, I think <coughs> the sooner we realise that comedy is in fact a complete construct based on the stage, the, the better. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your... Um, so what got you into comedy? I love that question because it's, it's, it's such an array of answers. Okay. Um, what got me into comedy? Um, I I would I'd never say that I was like you, you hear a lot of comedians say you know I was never the funny one at school I was never oh, cracking jokes. Yeah. I, I, I mean I, 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 I like to think I was quite funny at school maybe maybe not hilarious but I, I think I was quite right. Um, so I enjoyed being people laugh that goes without saying. Yeah. Um, what got me into comedy was um, I went to my dad took me to watch I was about I don't know, 13, 14 and my dad took me to uh, the Apollo to watch uh, Steve Coogan live oh, and that lovely. was massive yeah that was massive because I, I watched that and I, I didn't know anything about Partridge then I just watched this guy 
Josh Potter's probably too young to get into that kind of thing. But I was How, this guy. So 13, 14 years old? Yeah, roughly. In my head, it was. Well, maybe I was a bit older, but in my head, I was at like 13, 14, and I watched Coogan do Paul Carr, Pauline Carr, probably Duncan Thicket, I'm guessing, and, and Partridge. But I, I hadn't had the series to influence me. Yeah. I watched it as a. I was just quite cool, actually, to watch it without the context. And I just thought it was brilliant. And then after that. Yeah, I just, I just I, I tried to accommodate the story and I was terrible, and then I only really got into it when I what, went to university. You tried to do it at school. Well, we had like a sort of an open oh, mic oh. sort of thing, and I uh, and I did it. And but the problem was, I was well, in a way, I was slightly ahead of the yeah. game in that I wanted to like improvise a set. But now, I, as an adult, I realise you can't really do oh, that. God bless you for doing it at like that age. That is that takes some fucking guts. Yeah, I, I, yeah. To be fair, everyone else on the bill, to be fair, is probably quite now quite a good comedian <laughs> um, I, in my year at school we had some good comics actually. Um, but um, but yeah that's how I started and then I really kicked him out of university that's when it that's when it got so, kicked off so did you uh, so what's your style really because I know you're doing a show mm. what is your style stand up or is it musical what is it okay so what I always need to start with is that I'm a comedian who plays music I'm not nice. a musical comedian uh, I think that's quite important because there is a lot and right and you know there's some brilliant stuff out there like the Goncourt Victoria Woods these musical comedians yeah. but that's not what I do I happen to have a drum kit on stage okay. and I happen to be a handy enough drummer to make the story not look completely incongruous but I'm certainly no I'm a I'm a narrative slash character comedian depending in this show Snare my new show I'm trying uh, not to play any other characters apart from myself it's all going to be done on audio uh, that's just because I thought it might be more interesting that way uh, I feel like otherwise you have to pay lip service to quite a few characters along the yeah, way yeah. and if they're too thinly drawn then people go that was weird why do they just have this one line comedian whereas at least on, if they're done on audio there's a bit more there's a bit more tr- um, sort of leeway um, so that's my style but I'm very we were saying off air off air yeah, who off am air. I who am I <laughs> well you were saying you've done a lot of um, you know maybe like a hundred or so gigs on, on different kind of circuits I, I'm pretty nascent in terms of performing live in 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 slots or yeah. or, or, open, or spots I guess you call them I just do hours uh, I guess so I, I very rarely gig so-called I, I don't test them out if I have to yeah. but, but I don't so I'm very nascent like that what I do a lot of a lot a lot a lot is I do a lot of improv um, twice a week once a week three times a week that's just brilliant that's just that's just times um, just, I'm just literally saying times uh, <laughs> yeah so I do a lot of that and that and that's a really uh, I'm sure you might have had this on the podcast before but that's a very incongruous thing to do because um performing prof so often and then to struggle so much with yeah. doing written comedy is an interesting way to live yeah and I think to be fair quite common in quite a lot of comedians um sorry <laughs> as we're sorry. talking I imagine knock over an ice cream van that's alright what do we call this it's a ice cream it's, it's a fridge it's a fridge it's a fridge it's a fridge it's a freezer that's what it is because it's I got have. the it's got the ice at the bit it's got yep. the ice it's a freezer that's it yeah it's got on that's why you that's why you host this that's right ice based knowledge <laughs> Um, I, don't I don't know much, but I do know surprises me. Yeah. So. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so anyway, that's, that's that. So um, so come Edinburgh, I look forward to doing whatever it is, 26, 27 days. I don't take a break, so 27 days of it. Um, but trying to enjoy how it I don't know, grows and morphs and mm. develops. So is this is Edinburgh, are you looking like... Are you looking for Edinburgh to, Edinburgh to sort of be like the launching pad for the show and then take other places? Uh, that's a really good question. That's an excellent question. And I think you've, you actually hit the nail on the head in one respect, which is the Fringe Festival used to be a Fringe Festival, I think we yeah. um, 
losing the name. But but um, what it has turned into, and I'm not saying I have any authority on this at all, yeah. all, all I've noticed in the however many years I've been going in different acts and different yeah. performances, is that it has now turned into a place where it's about finished work. And I think that's slightly misleading, because I think yeah. a festival by its very nature has to have, with the clues in the name, it has to have a festival like aspect, a festivity yeah. of happiness. So, yeah. so I'm very happy. I have, I have no qualms about going to a festival and then coming afterwards with a better show. I, yeah. th- I, th- I think the idea that it's a showcase for everything going forward is, is a bit mad, actually. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, what this all comes down to is, is, is I imagine, money and prestige and the fact yeah. that we're all about thousands and thousands of pounds deep between paid venues already oh, yeah. into PR yeah. and wherever it might be and venue contras and, and deposits. That's, that's even with the free fringe like I'm doing. Even so, you know, yeah. you're still financially invested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's unqu- and I said, uh, I think 2017, when I did my debut. I said, I think this has now hit, hit, what the word? Not the, yeah, the uh, not even the apex. I guess it's the nadir. It, yeah. it would hit breaking point. Yeah. I think the fringe will now contract, and I think I've been proved sort of right because a lot of bigger acts, I think, are now going. Why am I going to the fringe for a yeah. month when I could stay in London? save 10 grand yeah. and yeah. and then do all the same shows I did at Pleasant Islington or whatever if I hadn't gone so yeah. that's very negative thing to say Alexander brilliant um, I, I, I guess all I'm trying to get at is that no to answer your question the very long way around I'm very happy to, to, to develop up there I think yeah. you know I've, I've had shocking days in the festival because it's a Monday and a whole bunch of Scottish dads really aren't having it from their kids yeah. today and they yeah. dress and someone saw some drums on a poster and they come a lot and they're not having it and that, and that's fine but that's where you develop I, to, to, the idea that you're some sort of polished McIntyre figure up there yeah. is, is misleading yeah um, that's exactly how we're taking our that's how we're taking our show yeah uh, we just want to well Duffy's done it like he's done the fringe twice already okay. and he's gonna and he's doing a second show he's doing another show up there any as well sure so he's doing our show and his own show a, a solo show yeah an hour yeah nice one and okay. um so, but me and Charlene, yeah. we just said like we we, we know what this is, yeah. and we just want to use this as a way to get better. Yeah, and and you will have the best peak of your life, and you will have the worst peak of your life. Of course, I think, I think that's what will. Well, maybe not. If you're doing if you're doing London, it, I think London's harder than. Oh, uh, it's fucking hard. Yeah, it, it is, is so tough. difficult. Um, and I'll tell you something actually. Going slightly off topic. Well, no, I guess it's not off topic, but it's, it's worth a worth it's a chat. Keep going, keep going. Yeah, um, the other night in, I had the first, not the first time ever, but first time in a while that something really it didn't spook me, but it it certainly made me go, what is going on here? Which is, um, I did a gig at the Museum of Comedy, which I really like. It's a beautiful venue. Oh, good, you good know, it's you, lovely. Man. Yeah, good it's lovely. And for a working and look, I felt slightly awkward about it anyway because I was doing work in progress so scripts in hand because I'm, I'm very much of the school which is if I try and learn it it's like 12,000 words my show if yeah. I try and learn it to get it wrong I'll miss stuff out I'd rather yeah. have it there so the audience get the least the benefit of the words if not the eye contact yeah. um, I did a show and it went absolutely fine for work in progress it was absolutely fine a few weak moments a few strong ad yeah. that's the way it goes yeah. and afterwards I had the most extraordinary I was packing the chairs away because so I'm, I'm mad at the people uh, <laughs> you're yeah. one of them yeah I'm one of them yeah. to be fair the guy who runs it's the nice man in the world so I'm very happy to chat to him and put chairs away in the middle of And this woman came in as we're all taking it down. I think they let her through the barrier because, well, I say barrier, let her through the door because yeah. they thought she knew me. But she basically had a massive go at me about, because apparently in the show I, did, I had an ad lib about old people. And I said to her, the thing was, I didn't have an ad. What I said is, I'm very grateful to have an older audience. I'm <laughs> as, as in, I'm grateful to have an audience, what yeah. I mean. They yeah. just happen to be old. My agent yeah. just trying to get younger people in. Yeah. But here I am with an older audience. And, and what, what, 
why I'm bringing this up is that what I found unsettling about audiences now is that she heard what she wanted to hear and what yeah. she heard is I hate old people. Oh yeah. Because we're now in the twist generation of like even with the older people if anything, if anything more of the older people who, don't, who aren't that used to social media like yeah. those of us who be brought up with it who just go trigger word trigger word trigger word I'm going to have you son yeah. um, and I just thought I hope Edinburgh is a bit friendlier than this because if I say the word the grey pound I might be a go at it I'm, that's, a, that's a market figure so so anyway I think audiences are getting really weird and I, I want everyone to chill out a bit and that's just, it. just come and watch some comedy and just like have a nice afternoon a nice evening don't get all always attacking people not everyone's not everyone's an attack I know like, I, think, I, I generally think that a lot of people aren't really like that yeah. but they want to appear that they're woke and they want to appear that they are social justice warriors and all that kind of stuff I mean, yeah absolutely I mean, yeah. if you are I mean it's annoying but fine fair enough <laughs> but you must be able to like understand where someone else is coming from yeah right? yeah like there's a real lack of empathy with this well Yes, and so, and something has happened. Yeah. And what I find really interesting, and I'd, I'd love to hear what like the Stuart Lee. Yeah. Actually, I'm told yeah. this is what David Deal's new show is about. Actually, uh, yeah. apparently, which is going to be brilliant. But I'd love to know what the old comics think about this. But what seems to have happened, in, at least in what shows I've seen, even I went to watch John Cooper Clark, and he got heckled. I know he's used to it. Yeah. But he got heckled in a different way to what I see on TV, which is people. Uh, as you say, rather than going, I'm at a show, and if there's a bit of banter, a bit of badinage, yeah, that yeah. happens. I do understand that people get a bit to drink, maybe. But people, as you say, now are just waiting. They're waiting yeah. to to shut down, to take effect. I've had enough. And yeah. I think it's, it's oh, there we are. That's fine. It's yeah. something. To, it's something to do with attention spans. It's something yeah. to do with trigger words or something dog whistle. I don't know what the hell you call it, but. It's a very weird time we're living in to perform, and, and I think all that's happened is people have forgotten what it's like to go on a stage in front yeah. of mics where you can't, lights you can't see, script you have in your head-ish. Yeah. People now seem to go, this is a TED talk, and it's really yeah. not a TED talk, it's a comedy show, like, chill out. What did you think of the Louis C.K. leak video? Um, I uh, won't pretend that I've seen it, I haven't, but is yeah. the idea that there's a round of applause at the end, that's what I picked yeah, up on Twitter. Is, yeah. um, what I think about that is that... Well, what I think about that is, if that is a round of applause, that's a round of applause. Laughs are non-refundable. Yeah, I think people have had a good time. You can't shut someone down forever yeah. because I don't, I don't think you can claim to be empathetic and, but then also reject this idea of Christian, yeah, of Christian yeah, values of forgiveness. Yeah. If we, if the audience has forgiven him or forgiven his indiscretions, then I'm not going to sit here and go they are all morons because I wasn't yeah. there. So what I think is, you can't. Leaked videos are just like pointless because you might well, you've got me in the room. Like, as, yeah. as Joe Rogan and other people have said about this topic, sure. that was a work in progress set. Right. We weren't great. Well, that was not something that was meant to be shown to us. Uh, someone just literally, he turned up at the, at the setup yeah. and someone just thought, you know what, I'm going to show, show this and I'm going to bring him down even more. I mean, I'm not saying that he didn't really sort of deserve mm. to be brought down for what he did. But I think everyone does deserve a second chance. I think that's it. And, and, what, and what I don't understand about this climate is, and God forbid I have something, yeah. or any of us have anything like that, is that if you if you are, and I hate and this word, I think it's very good for it. You might have heard this on Twitter, social media, like cancelled. He's cancelled. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. To be this idea that like um, that. Um, so, Joe blogs on Twitter yeah. can cancel you. Well. Well, you have another 70 years yeah. on the planet. I'm not going to sit there because just Twitter don't like it uh, and just do nothing with my life. Because, yeah. you know, uh, worst case scenario, you are a... <laughs> I 
not worst case scenario, that'd be awful. But uh, if, you're, if you're on the road, I don't know, let's say for argument's sake, there was a, yeah. a, 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 a you're, you're literally crossing the road and someone goes, that man shoplifted yeah. and it wasn't yeah. you. Are we suggesting that you do nothing for the rest of your life? <laughs> if it wasn't you, of course not. I'm not saying Louis C.K. did nothing. What I'm saying is we have, there has to be some kind of growth and, as you say, development and yeah. some kind of forgiveness aspect to it. And maybe what they want, look, I'm not a, I don't, I'm not a Buddha, maybe what they yeah. want is they want him to do a show apologising. Yeah, that's it. I'd Which like to see someone. Yeah. He didn't really sort of acknowledge it, but yeah. he didn't really apologise. And, and truthfully, I've not yeah. thought hard enough about how you uncancel yourself. Well, I saw Aziz Ansari when mm. he came to London, and you know, he had his situation. Apparently, that was very good. It was phenomenal. Was it? Okay. it but I, um, and you know he had a situation yes. a couple of years ago where it was... It wasn't a CK. It wasn't no, that bad, it was it? that no. bad. It, was, it wasn't ideal. But. It wasn't ideal. And for me, it's, it came across a bit like he was being an arsehole and it was a day gone wrong. Yeah. But the same thing, he got cancelled. Yeah. But he came, he, um, his tour, it was phenomenal. I mean, I really... I was kind of waiting at the end to see how he would... You know, not saying reconcile, but how he would address it, because he kept hinting that he was going to say something, but he went off something else, which was quite funny. But I want to pre-watch it now because I was sort of waiting in bated breath yeah. for what he was going to say. But I just thought it was a really nice time, and I think he did it. The I don't want to give anything away, so it's obviously going to show somewhere yeah. else. But I think he did it in the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, um... And, and, that's, and that sounds great. Uh, yeah. Look, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to suggest that there's a, a Harvey Weinstein stand-up special oh, where he gets out of it. Oh, but, 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 but... Yeah, but that's different, though. He, yeah. he was yeah, making... Yeah, 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 I mean, the, 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 the guys, the guys yeah. are criminals or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but I, yeah, I, I think... I think you can't... You, you can't... Yeah, I think we need to this. You, you can't. You, I don't, I don't yeah. even cancel and expect people just to, to just to remain not. in the dark. Yeah, exactly. And, and what it will create ultimately, if history shows anything, is that yeah. when you try and um, shut people down and don't give them a second chance, it just creates a counterculture yeah, whereby they are supported. And you, I always think you'd rather have people in the, you know, don't don't, don't shut people down, extremists or whatever, and then just, just all you have is you have bizarre like Nazis on yeah. Facebook or something yeah. hiding away. Uh, you know, I saw those boys in the news the other day, these psycho Nazis who have hidden it on the dark web. No, let's get them out there, and then expose, and then show them up, or just try and to teach them that this is not right. To to just to shun is basically a recipe for having a cult. Well, what people don't seem to realise is people like those Nazis on the internet. They want to be put in that kind of place. Precisely. If we, yeah. if we, if we saw, not like organise it, but we like. So if we keep them in, if we sort of keep them in the play yeah. without ostracising them, yeah. they're not getting what they want. Yeah, they're looking to be the outsider, the underdog, the shunned, and, yeah. and I think that's. Um, this is not very funny at all, is it? But oh, yes, <laughs> man, interesting. Yeah, um, I'm certainly not. What I've learned doing, the, I've done a few interviews in the last few weeks, and what I've definitely learned, and I think it's, a, I hope, a good quality, is that I don't have like four stand-up stories up my sleeve to do, oh, to fine. tell because I, um, it just doesn't interest me at all. Those kind of yeah. re- re-rehearsed stories. I, I rather say if someone listens, just goes, yeah, it wasn't funny, but fair play to the guy. He yeah. really stuck it to, to you know, I don't know, yeah. some Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's the reason I can't really watch. Um, chat shows anyone because they're all, apart from like Mabel Graham Norton yeah. like, who is 
phenomenal what he does. I think it's brilliant, yeah. Yeah. But they're all so rehearsed and so like, oh, you went on holiday, oh, you went on holiday this week. Tell me about that. Well. Yeah. Something really funny happened in 1986. Like, yeah. well, how have we got here? How have we got exactly. here? Exactly. Why is Jeremy Vine or Jeremy Paxton telling me about hell? Hilarious anecdote, yeah, exactly. as though he's spinning this. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. 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 But I think that's why, like, things like well, things like chat shows and radio are dying. Podcasts. Mm. They are the weird. Right, podcasters are the new radio hosts now. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. Spot on. Uh, no one wants to say what you yeah. want without having. You can say whatever you want to say, and no one. There's been no pre-interview or whatever no, else. No. We've literally just met each other today and started having a conversation. Yeah, precisely. And I think that's just how it should always be. Yeah, it's but organic. It's organic and it's going to grow naturally. Oh, who wants organic shit? <laughs> I want my thing. I want my things processed and cancerous. <laughs> I'll see you in 80 years. Let's see. Yeah, let's, see let's see. Let's see. Let's see who lives so, longer. I don't think it'll be me. I've got terrible eyes. <laughs> so uh, please. Well, when was your first gig? first gig well I always count the I don't count the gig of, I did a store right yeah, down no, no, no. we're not counting that I did a gig uh, I've got to say it was a very safe gig I did a gig at oh, no actually it was it safe I don't know actually I did a gig in my first year at university in very much like a just for my like just just my college just people I knew or whatever and in my head now I'm like oh that was quite safe but actually at the time it was like one of those opportunities where if you were ever going to embarrass yourself that would be it because everyone's so intellectually like I'm gonna have you over a table I have where did you, where did you go to college where did you go to I, I went to I went to Oxford no, oh I, very nice I, I never no, but I, one of the things I, I, I refuse to shy away from it in interviews because I don't want to sometimes you get words in your ear being like well don't go on about that too much but then again I can't like, what, what was I going to do? Not not do it. Yeah, and I've always it's another podcast. My 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 issues with why for some reason we dumbed down education, but almost nothing else in pop culture. But that's not for now. Um, I did that. I did that. I find it extraordinary. All right, I will. I find it yeah. extraordinary. We we had to try and pretend that people didn't go. You don't, you, don't, you don't just go and then like create some club called like the elite where like you just stab homeless yeah, people in the middle of the yeah. night. Like you, you just go and you do some work and then you leave again with a big hat. Yeah. That's basically it. Um, the idea that there's some sort of uh, conspiracy there that we can't talk about it, but then you can happily be an Instagram influencer and show yeah, off your so, yeah. show off your I don't know prowess on whatever <laughs> anything else it might be is absolutely mental. I think it's one of the strangest things in the world where we've started academia. Oh, that's too much. But yeah, you know, get, get, you know getting your mad drug habit six pack football skills yeah. whatever it is I'm like why why is this a yeah. to find you know, look at my fit girlfriend like, why is that on the Instagram but like here's me doing like an essay on the nature of the crusades <laughs> it's, it's so abhorrent to people um, but that's by the by um, I love that I love every <laughs> single second of that that was fucking brilliant <laughs> I just I just think if you, if we start to pretend that people the asset the educate the, the edu- um, aspiring to education is that is something to be kept in the in the closet or something to be shunned or whatever? Then I think it just it just suggests that academia is something to be frightened of. Whereas I always give the same example, which is, you know, if it's your mum and you're having and she's got life or death surgery or whatever it might be, yes, I'm sure it is absolutely charming that one surgeon has 68,000 Instagram followers because he's really great yeah. at baking a cake. And by the way, look at his hot girlfriend with her biceps. <laughs> that's brilliant. But I'd rather have the guy, personally, who's gone and done a bit of work and done some research, and that's it. I'm not suggesting yeah. he's a brilliant man. Or he might be a fucking cat rapist for all I know. I don't know what he does. But the fact of the matter is, I'm probably going to have the guy who 
you know, try to do a bit of good work. And so I'm not going to shy away from that interview. I think it's insane. Also, I was really lazy. Yeah. I did history, which everyone knows basically you can basically do a bit of reading and just and just sort of bullshit your way through. My, 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 my tutor used to call it um, academic bullshit. Just mm. if you can, for a week, just pretend that you've done a month. Yeah. Um, I think the yeah. cat raping doctor would have probably have a better story. Yes, than the cat than a, Well, he'd know how to do it. He'd yeah. know how to do it. Exactly. Um, but but anyway, I, did, I was at Oxford. I did this gig, and it was uh, basically, as you can imagine, now I've said it out loud, the opportunity for you know two hundred sort of smart artists to try and tell you your shit or something. And actually, I think we'll find it was Copernicus who said it, or whatever. Good. Um, <laughs> and actually, I did, I did this character piece, very influenced by Steve Coogan, and I won't, I won't deny that, I guess, but with a bit of me in there. It was sort of Don Draper meets Steve Coogan, if you imagine oh. the thing. It was an advertising executive, but who had, like, a massive ego, but, like, no, no, like, got a lot of buzzwords, but no yeah. actual, actual yeah. personality. And it went very well. And at, at least, at least... I look back on it now and know how good was yeah. it but but at the time it went very well and after that I got booked for my first ever corporate well I say corporate I got booked for like an Oxford Bull gig Ooh, which, nice. basically, which, which is still the best paid I've ever been in my entire yeah. life and I've done this professionally for like well semi-professionally for like a year or two or whatever yeah. because you just again what people don't realise no one's smart it's loads no. of money so like yeah. you, you roll out the two like 19 year old girls got me an 18 year old boy in a room and went hello we're hosting a ball gig um, how much do you charge like I knew anything <laughs> and, then, and then always aim 200 quid more than you want how much did it come down to what hundreds hundreds oh, I said hundreds nice. and they were like no worries because I know they got Mark Ronson on yep. the bill so oh. by comparison to him I'm going to ask for several hundred pounds and they're like have this they didn't tell me I had to be on stage for nine hours uh, which Wait, I did what? so I had to compare the stage and oh, what I learned fuck. and you'll know and everyone knows is that you cannot teach comparing you have oh, to do it no, live you've got to do it you've got to do it and so literally I got out of my like first year exams at six o'clock at half seven I was on stage opening for bands opening for like magic opening for like some sort of like rave at like midnight Mark Ronson came on but he didn't obviously because Mark Ronson and he came on like 2am yeah. and then it's like half four in the morning I was on the exam that day just like you know tired my little shirt on some poured a pint over me because I was terrible and writing oh, so, well not the pint but, but someone poured a pint over me or something or whatever because I said something smart ass on stage and then you go I kind of miss that now <laughs> I kind of miss being paid to be treated badly <laughs> now I don't pay anything I'm treated quite nicely um, but that's why I started um, and I think on a serious note I think part of the reason that a lot of I'm not sure it's true anymore but certainly there's still a, a decent output of like you know what you call the Russell Group University comedians is I think quite simply because to do comedy in front of a group uh, terms of people who want to say that you're an awful bloke yeah. I want to try and cancel you academically yeah. and intellectually at every opportunity is quite uh, emboldening. Yeah. I th- what I see online from like open spots and stuff, uh, at other places around the country, I, I see a lot of really good comedians in Scotland or in Liverpool or whatever, uh, at maybe, you know, student comedians or whatever who maybe, who maybe don't have like this massive highfalutin university behind them or whatever, do really different gigs which look really tough because like the people are normal and they're chatting to the yeah, crowd and yeah. they're a bit of sass. Yeah. At Oxford, this crowd are absolutely silent oh, until God. you make an academic mistake, then it down oh. your throat like nothing else. So I just think it's and it's a different kind of testing, you know, silent until someone goes, yeah, as I say, I think it was Hegel who once said, and you're like, fuck off. <laughs> uh, Basically, it's correcting your everything. Exactly, correcting yeah. rather than heckling. Maybe that's how I put it. Um, just a bunch of pedants, aren't you? Really? That's really pedants, exactly. It's, it's, it's an entire because academia is ultimately yeah. just pedanticism. There's, there's nothing new happens. No, of course not. You know, I read a book. My tutor read a book. His tutor read a book. We all read the same book. It's yeah. just who can be most pedantic about that book. Yeah. It's, you don't have to be smart. You just have to be like 
annoying. Yeah, <laughs> it's who interpreted it the right way. Exactly. And everyone thinks that they are the one who interpreted it the correct way. Yeah, exactly. And all I wanted to do, to be completely frank, I did it. I, did, I, I would have been the happiest in the world probably getting in, turning it down, and going somewhere fun. All yeah. I wanted to do was drink beer in some of my mates. Turns out I got there and no one wanted to have a beer with me. Everyone was like, actually, I'm reading AJP Taylor for 12 hours. Like, oh, all right. So basically, what you're telling me is you'd fit into any other uni. So happened to go to Oxford. Really, really, really troublingly. I think that's the only one I got into. I didn't get into Durham. I didn't get into Durham, Trinity College Ireland, Edinburgh. I didn't get into anywhere else. Oh my God. Uh, which I think was quite lucky in a way. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what I would have done. So basically, you got the dregs of what. Of, uh, there was uh, yeah, Oxbridge were like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take you because no one else will because oh, you don't because yes. you got no banter. And how right they were. How wrong they were. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you very much. So far, it's a really <laughs> So, when have you? When did you start moving over to the London circuit, and how? How have you found it? Uh, when I left, so I'm from London. When, as I said earlier, when I left Oxford, I came back, and I started doing bits and bobs with other comedians. Um, I have friends who run gigs very well. Um, maybe, yeah, they're, 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 you, you guys might know them, but like I'm talking um, sketch acts. My, my my best friends in comedy are probably Moon, the sketch double act. Um, who else have put me on? Um, uh, God, suddenly I realize how few gigs I do. It's, it's normally more like people say, oh, do you want to come and do this? Do you want to come and do that? Yeah. Or you sort of meet around. But anyway, um, to be fair to Moon, they basically just give me all my gigs in my life in London. Um, and I started out doing very badly because I hadn't really realised what a set was. I said I only did hours, so then I tried to condense an hour into ten minutes. That doesn't really work um, with your best jokes. So now I, I, I like to think I might be getting a bit better at that. But I mean, fundamentally, as like I said earlier, I just do so many improv gigs that you, I, I sort of don't care. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. The toughest improv gig, no, no, the easiest improv gig in the world is like the toughest stand-up gig in a way because. Crashes unbelievable. Yeah, the crowds are normally very nice. Yeah. But like, if you want to do well, I think yeah. the crashes unbelievable. I'm very competitive, so I, I, I do want to do well. I, I don't want to just coast. I've never done improv, but it's something that I'm really interested in doing because it's yeah. It just sort of frees you up, doesn't it, a little bit? Absolutely. Well, what, what? Funny enough, what I've always found about improv is that what it's been like anything like in pop culture. The things people tell you about it actually. Oh, like very much the things people tell you. But it's normally people who've never done it. Yeah. So what you always hear is the same sort of thing. Oh, it's like yes and. Never turn a suggestion down. And like, oh, be really spontaneous and funny like that. Like that Peter Cook in the olden days. And what it actually is, I always find, is that that's not actually true. Um, what it is about, it's about. It's not about thinking fast and being funny on the spot. What it's about, it's about taking the right option. It's like it's like cricket. It's like shot selection. If you play every ball, you'll get out. Or you'll make a fool of yourself. You have to wait for the right ball to come along and then hit it. Now I was terrible at that at the start. Uh, in the last few years, I've got better at that. No, not, yes, you can make a joke about everything. Of course you can. Yeah. But ultimately, you'll just become one. You'll just talk over everyone. And two, they won't all be very funny. They'll just be fine. Yeah. Um, so what I hear improv is really about, and what the biggest deal is, it's like a life skill. Is uh, there used to be a mantra, and I think it's a very good one, of making your scene partner look good. Yeah. If you make, and it works on trust, and you work with good people. But if I make you look good, I will look good because you'll make me look good. Yeah. And, and because we're both a, a rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. Is what I always say. And so um, that's what the best skill for it, which is going out on stage and just going, you know what? I'm gonna play it safe. I'll be a night watchman. I'll give it ten minutes. See what happens. Just let let's let the the, the waves crash and let's see how the game's lying then we'll go for something then we'll move into an angle then we'll develop an idea it's not this like free for all joke fest which is like I think what a lot of 
you know, not that we pretend that all those bits are improvised and all standing in front of the spinning wheel as if they've all got, as if they've got like, ten writers all writing their jokes all yeah. Um So yeah, the improv stuff's great. Um, I do an improvised James Bond film, which is my, that's my baby. I've done it for five years now, five, three years. Um, genre improv is quite hard because, especially the one I've chosen because, and I did it on purpose, because I know that everyone likes James Bond or at least knows James Bond as a brand. The problem is, is that my shows are slightly limiting because yeah. you know that ultimately James Bond in some sense will have to win, the yeah. baddie will have to lose. You'll probably have to see M or Money Penny or Q or All or None or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that is quite tricky, but but yeah, a lot of fun. We're doing Edinburgh as well, actually, with that one. Oh, nice. When you're doing that? That's midday every day, uh, apart from 12th, um, just the tonic at the caves. We've done it five years there. The big room is 150 seater. It's a really really nice space. Just the tonic have always backed us. They've been very good about it. And we've had a few fans. We had David Williams in last year. Came oh, to watch nice. on a whim. That was very weird. Uh, we had a few footballers in, which is really weird. Um, we've had a few different people, but mostly it's family. It's family friendly, and it's it's a real laugh. What's the what's the group called? So I can actually look it up on my on my. What's the called? The group. Oh, the, the group. group. Yeah. Uh, Shaken not stirred is what we're both called, and the name of the show. A bit like ostentatious. To be yeah. Honest. That's basically how they how they work. I'm it. just gonna put that in now. Don't worry at all. No, that's fine. Because I looked at your uh, the other show and I thought I can't see that because you're on at the same time. Ah, oh, right. As I'm on, so I can see this one. All right, I'm going to put you in, and we'll say Friday the 9th. Let's try that. Sure, no worries. Sweet, a mix. Right, so, what do you think the... Okay, so you've done Edinburgh before, right? Yeah. What are the audiences like up there? Uh, uh, I two. The improv shows, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Um, has some families and it tends to be and again I've always found this very bizarre they yeah. tend to be a lot more accommodating in my experience of improvisation than of written material uh, I don't know why that is maybe it's time of day maybe it's family vibe I don't know but anyway yeah. I love the ed- improv audiences can't get enough of them uh, I find the uh, uh, my shows I've only done one solo show but I did a sketch show before that as well back in the day uh, I find them to be very nice but I and something we talked about earlier yeah. I think it's to the benefit of famous performers because they come wanting to see you I think if yeah. you are an unknown there is what I call grump, I call it grumpy dad syndrome which yeah. is every bloke over 50 crossing his arms going alright mate you know, make me laugh go on then funny man go on funny man make me laugh and like that and so it's just like um, I think that needs to yeah that, that's one thing I've noticed is that that, that that desire to make me up, which is fine, it's comedy, I understand that, but to make it adversarial, I think, reduces us all yeah. to gladiators, where I'd like us to work together. So my show, there, is, there, you know, there will be bits, I'm sure, I've not written them in yet, in the same way I did with Ringo, but there will be bits of audience participation. Oh, that, that will be playing a tambourine or hitting a cowbell. I'm yeah. not asking them to write the Mona, you know, draw the Mona Lisa on a grain of rice. I think you should. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I. you should. I think that should be, uh, I think that should be a, your next Edinburgh show. Please draw the Mona Lisa on a grain of rice. Yes, <laughs> uh, but that's the thing that I, you know, that, that, that kills an audience, dead if an art threat. Um, but, 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 but that's what I find odd because, you know, if you've ever performed, you know that just give the guy a hand. You don't, I'm not asking you to be Jimmy Clark and be on stage telling gags. I just want you to do what I tell you. So if you hit the cowbell, fine, brilliant. Off you go, yeah. sit down again. You've, you've done me a favour and you'll see why later when it all yeah. adds up, when I'm secretly recording or whatever it might be, and it all comes back at the end. So, um, so yeah, that's how I find audiences. Very, very nice. Yeah. 99% of the time. But I get slightly thrown by people who come on a whim because just chill out, guys. It will be yeah. fine. We're, we're there for a reason. 
with their for, exactly, with their for no, a laugh. No, you're that's a laugh, I'm that to make you laugh. Yeah, exactly. But also, I want to have a laugh when I'm doing it. Yeah. And that's, look, truthfully, one thing I've been actually terrible at in my tiny career so far is enjoying myself. I get yeah. terrible nerves, terrible stage fright. Worse, I've got older. Much, much worse. You know, for winning horses, it's been used to. Whereas actually, if you have a nice time, it's just fun. It really is. So, uh, I know you're doing your own up as well. I just, even on the worst day, if you can find a little joke in it for yourself, I strongly advise you to do Otherwise, it's just like, it's just drags. Yeah, I can imagine. And fringe becomes not fun, which is not the point of it. Like I said earlier, it's meant to be a fun thing. And do you know what? Like, do you have any advice for someone that's, like, not someone, maybe not me. Well, I know, me as well. Well, you're a performer, you know what you're yeah. doing. Well, I've never been to the fringe. <laughs> but what, what advice would you give to someone that's going to the fringe for the first time? A performer? Yeah. I would say, if a performer's never been before, I'd say to them, well, there's always cliches everyone knows, like, like, don't be put off in the street when people are really rude to you flyering and stuff. Yeah. By the way, I have a problem with rude people who are rude to flyers. I'm like, just take, just take the flyer, mate. You don't have to read it, just yeah. take it all around the corner and then bin it if you must. Give it a read at the very least. But that's yeah. beside the point. I tell a performer not to get disenchanted about crowd sizes and crowd responses because that's not your fault. Yeah. Uh, if you're not on the telly and if you've not got a massive agent and if you don't have an unbelievable hook and you're just a comedian starting out you've got to start somewhere don't yeah. worry about it because like I was lucky I went I went my debut show I was in Pleasant's Courtyard which is a massive help because you just get a lot of people who are there already who rate the brand they go I'm aware of that but I have done the free print as well with other projects and it is really tough and what I'd say is you will you'll, you'll, you'll have just an important learning time and fun time wherever you are so don't worry about I used to be obsessed with that oh who's on at the presence who's on at underbelly who's on at assembly oh why am I not in that spot I'm better than him I'm better than it's just, it's just self-defeating just just, just go with it it's fine unless you're on at 9am uh, unless you're on 9am and like oh, they're still serving breakfast I'll maybe give that give that one a give yeah. that one a miss but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh don't, don't drink too much you'll just get fat yeah that's what I was like that's um, advice I was, I was watching um a what um, Mark wrote, but I'm actually interviewing on uh, Saturday. Right. His documentary, A One, the road, the road to uh, the road to Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, where he had never done, he'd never done stand up before. Yeah. But he decided to do, he decided to go to Edinburgh to perform stand up. Sure. A whole month, a whole month stand up, despite right. not doing it, never ever doing it. And he's, I've, I've kicked him before. He's, fan, he's fantastic. Oh wow. But. Um, he interviewed a load of comedians, and one of which was Stuart Goldsmith. Yeah, right? yeah. And Stuart Goldsmith said the number one thing that he would recommend was don't drink for the first two weeks. Yeah, hard, hard, hard to do because like it's so structured about yeah. having a drink after a show. Uh, what I would say is just don't know nuts. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, anyone who knows me will know I'm not the best at this. I have one, and suddenly I've had five. I, I have no self, <laughs> I have no self control at all. Uh, I am either dead sober or dead drunk. It's not really middle ground. Um, Which are you at the moment? Um, I'd rather not say. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> uh, no, I'm hammered. Um, nice. But um, yeah, I did, did the drinking thing just just get fat. It's also no. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, Edinburgh. And this is if anyone's listening from Edinburgh, I do apologise. But it's it's festival. I found it's maybe not the best for having a having a healthy meal because no. you're always in a rush. Yeah, and you can never find the you never find the tasty vegetarian salad you're looking for when you're in a rush. You always seem no. to find a kebab. I do yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's important to like cook for yourself and all that kind of stuff. Or, or at least find somewhere healthy for yourself. So I, yeah. I I happen to know a Japanese restaurant where I, ba- I if you ever need to find me, I'm basically there's one Japanese restaurant every day hiding in the back because I know that if I have some fish, I won't nice. I won't get a have a heart attack. Or um, but yeah. So it's not very cheap, but it's 
worth every second of it. One of my life mantras, to be honest, is you, I'd rather pay more for food. Yeah. You've only got one body. For yeah. like, if you just treat it like crap, you don't know, you're going to have a worse life. You know, if you quit drinking or quit doing drugs or whatever, that's the one that I would quit rather than nice food. Yeah, nice exactly, food's lovely. Yeah. It's nothing yeah. nice with it. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, I love food. I love yeah. fucking eating. Yeah. I, can't, like, I come from a family where everything that we do is based around food and it's based around the table. Right. Like, literally, all of our get-togethers, there's always food there. Right. And never around his family, always to do a food. Yeah. And you do grow I mean, obviously, my diet isn't the best, <laughs> but you're right. The better the food, the better you feel. I just, I just, I have zero, a bit like the thing about academia earlier, I have absolutely zero respect for like this, oh, just eat as you move culture. It's insane. No other country does it at all. No, no. other country. There's a Mediterranean country at lunchtime. They have a 20 minute break. We'll still find people in the restaurant with their mates from work having a meal. I think it's lovely. It's, yeah. it's a really convivial and it's commonality is the word for it. It's not an often used word, but I enjoy it. It's uh, uh, eating together. Oh, that's, that's a really nice word. Yeah, it's a lovely word. It's lovely. I have no idea if it means anything, but that's certainly what I think it is. I heard it used in that context. Um, yeah, commonality. It just, it just it, like, it's like conv- having a convivial meal together, and uh, it's lovely. I, I, do you know what? I wish I had meals in Edinburgh more with more comedians. Yeah. I don't, I know no comedians basically. I wish I did. Well, hello, nice to meet you. <laughs> Very nice to meet you. Let's have a drink. Let's have ten drinks, yes. no food. After the two weeks. <laughs> yeah, after, after the two my, weeks. After two weeks. Thanks, Goldsmith. Thank you. I'll remind you at one point, Goldsmith, yeah. when I do come pump up when I'm 19. <clears throat> well, I'm gonna see him. I'm, I've paid to go see him in Edinburgh. Great. So okay, it's only a five off. So really, yeah. How reasonable Dolesmith, I'm oh, a tenor, how yeah. reasonable. <laughs> yes, it's, working, it's a work in progress, so, okay. so that's probably why. But, see, Stuart Goldsmith, man, that's, that's, that's worth anything, I'm he sorry. He is excellent, yeah, I'd happily double that, triple it, yeah. Like, happy. his podcast is sort of, why well, I do, like, I'd sort of model this one on that's it. The, no, it's, the gold, it's the gold standard. Of, the Goldsmith yeah. standard. They are very good. Thank you. Someone did this guy a contract, guys. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Speaking of which, how did you get um, signed to an agency? What was that process like? Uh, it was um, very, very homemade yeah. in that I did Edinburgh, came back, like I said earlier, with a show. I, I went up with 70% of the show, but I came yeah. back with 100%, yeah. I hope. Still edited it and stuff, but and then I did one off. I did a one off of Peasants Islington. This is pressure, by the way. Yeah. And decided that's the girl was going to invite every single agent to. I didn't do any others. 90% of them didn't even bother yeah. answering. Yeah. 5% of those remained uh, said no, thank you, and basically several said yes. I don't know. I don't know how many came in the end, but certainly the one that came, who I met afterwards, yeah. were interested in signing me. I think basically the next day. Nice. Um, which is very nice, and they are, they are brilliant. Um, they shout out name. to Stephen Hammer. They got, um, yeah, they got you on this one. They got me on this, which is a good deal. And uh, shout out to Claire as well, who's your editor. Lovely Claire, she's the, she's the PR publicist, that's right. Claire down at Gabby Gerard, that's right. Um, but um, they, I think they were after. Um, they're, they're quite into um, like sort of multi, what's the word multi skilled performers, so like yeah. music and comedy or, or, or something acting and comedy or like yeah. um, not just like stand up. Although they do some brilliant stand up stuff, yeah. but I think that's what they told me anyway. They were quite interested in that aspect of me. Um, but the Asian thing uh, was, again, it was something I obsessed about when I was starting. I was really worried that, you know, oh, no one will have me, no one will have me. If I have my time again, I'd say to myself, don't worry about it. Yeah. It's a brilliant actor. I don't think Jordan Brooks had an agent for ages. No. Uh, uh, my mate's Moon, like, uh, to the best of my knowledge, don't have an agent at the moment, and they're very good. Um, and I know some people who do, who I, who I think are digging as much as they would before. So, yeah. so I don't think there's any major difference in it. Um, but it's certainly, it's lovely to have that support. That's why yeah. I like it, just to, just to know the direction I'm going in is sometimes good. And if you're not, they'll give you a, a, 
and, and they'll go in the right direction. But, but I wouldn't obsess about it if I was a no. comic. That's what I tell a comedian because it, it, it's just self-defeating. And I, and I met a guy recently, I won't say he was obviously, Good. but a comedian came to me, yeah, a, 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 a pretty nascent, I'm pretty nascent, but even more nascent than me. Yeah. And he said, um, you know, Oh, well, actually, it turns out that X is a better agent than Y. Did you know that Z is actually on A's uh, agency or whatever? And I was like, is that, is that, is that, is that, is that, I really wouldn't worry about it. And he's like, well, they've already got one of me on the books, so they wouldn't take me. I was like, I'm not sure that's the prerequisite, to be honest. I think the thing is, just like, you know, to quote Kevin Costner, whatever that bloody film is, if you build it, they will come. Um, that said, please don't find me Hammer and Steve. Yeah. I will come good. That is, <laughs> plus, like, back on, back on what you're saying about that dude, like, I, I, I know who he is, but, like, who gives a shit yeah. what other people are doing? As long as you're doing the right thing. I had this conversation at work yeah. recently with someone else, and then I said, like, as long as you're doing the right thing, then fuck what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Like, that's their business. Yeah, and again, it was something I learned way too late. I'm 26, and I'm, but I, I wish I'd learned at, like, 20 that you shouldn't worry what everyone else is doing. Otherwise, yeah. you end up becoming this sort of Mr. Hyde-esque yeah. monster of your a terrible example it's yeah. brilliant Frankenstein's monster would be a better one yeah uh, uh, this creation of your own your, your own evil creation of all your worst aspects so I, just cut this from the record yeah. none of these literary references have worked at all it's, you, you can tell I've had four copies and I've been writing all day none of these work at all um, uh, God almighty but, it's but brilliant it's, but it's very <laughs> it's very hard sometimes to not Look at what I've gone up for, look at what someone yes, else is doing. Precisely. I'm absolutely stunned that I can't come up with a single reference of when your own foibles come back to get you. It's like every parable. Just look up a parable, that's what I'm trying to say. It's a morality tale about arrogance and greed. Yes. Well, arrogance we have because we got on stage. Yes. Although I worry a lot that I'm not arrogant enough, although I might not ah. come across this way in this interview, I, I am certainly not vain enough just to talk and talk and talk and talk. Yeah. This podcast might <laughs> belie that. Um, but I. I couldn't be a, a stand-up for an hour in terms of, oh, then my girlfriend did this, and do you know what I think about Brexit? I couldn't do that. I, I fucking hate Brexit. I'm sorry, sorry yeah. I can't do it. I, I cannot stand Brexit jokes, Trump jokes, yeah. Love Island jokes. Absolutely. I, they are just trigger points. You have to, that, have, a, you have, to have an angle. Yeah, like, they're just things that comics think of a comic world. People, comics think they should say as a comic because they think the audiences want to hear them. No, they fucking don't. No. They want to hear your actual life and your actual perspective on things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we did a, a, me and my friend Jack Chisholm did this double act called Little Boys a, a, a few years ago. It was just a sketch out just for a laugh, to be honest. Often no one even came. We cancelled like three nice. of them out of 20 um, in a cellar somewhere, but free print. But it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was great. It was really good fun. And we did a sketch about, I wrote two sketches, I think. Uh, oh, I think Jones, Jack wrote one about John Prescott and I wrote one about Jerry Adams. Fantastic. And afterwards, a woman came up, two women came up, so they were quite pissed, to be fair. And they were really sort of jabbing us in the chest with their fingers, going, like why are you doing old stuff about Jerry Adams? Why don't you do why don't you do sketches about, you know, about I don't know who it was at the time, you know, why don't you do modern stuff like about as you say, like Love Island or whatever it was, I don't remember what was on at the time. Big yeah. Brother or something. And I was like, why? Yeah. Why? Would I the Jerry Adams one's fun because it's retro, you just go, hang on. And if you this idea that you have to know everything, like if you don't know who that is, learn. Yeah, learn in the material. Yeah. Find out. Then if you're worried, go away. You don't have to know everything in the world. No one knows everything. It's this bizarre idea like People switch off with comedy now, and really, and theatre, but especially in comedy, you know. Oh, then he did. You hear people say it, like my family. You know, he was really brilliant, Stuart Lee. Then he did a bit about the Wanderer, the painting by J. 
Joseph Friedrich thingy. I didn't get it, so I stopped yeah. listening. Just listen to it. Listen. What's the worst that could happen? I, I, you don't want to know it. It drives me nuts, mate. Yeah. I'm coming across such an intellectual snob. Uh, so I'm so sorry. I'm very amazing. passionate about learning. It's, it's great, man. I'm very I love passionate it. about learning, like, developing, not just, like, sitting on your laurels. Otherwise, yeah. there's nothing... Your life will just never change. You'll be, ni- you'll be 90 before you know it. And you'll go... Oh, I only know about Brexit. <laughs> we'll just still be going on. Um, Which, well, yeah, exactly. There you are. As your Brexit joke, as your Saturday hey, afternoon. There we are. That's it. I'm a, yeah, I'm allowed. You're allowed one Brexit joke per podcast, <laughs> and that actually wasn't a bad one, so that's quite good. Oh, thank you. Oh, so I, oh shit. So how? What happened when you came out as a comic? <laughs> like, how did your family react to it? Uh, they were. Fine with it. I think they probably anticipated I'd do something else as well, because uh, I didn't really get a proper. Job. I still don't really have a proper nine-to-five job. That is a. Uh, but so I think they probably would have anticipated that. I will. I, look, I will get one eventually. It's just that I, you know, I, I do part-time don't stuff. Don't do it. it. Don't <laughs> do it. As someone who has nine, as um, sort of nine-to-five, I do eight till about five o'clock. Yeah. Don't fucking do it. <laughs> just get good at what you're doing and just stay at this. I like, tried. Yeah. Part-time stuff works out in your favour, but I, but I will just to just get a few more life experiences. Yeah. Yeah. That's very kind. I think we will. Thank you very much. All right. Pause that for a second because we just got some free food and we had to go get it. But yes, the price the price we pay for the uh, cafe based podcast is uh, yeah, free food is very nice. Uh, so I forgot what we were talking about, but let's move on a little bit sure. to um, the sitcom that is Frasier. Go on. Right. So we had to start by talking about. Cheers first. That's obviously where the character Fraser came about, um, yep. came from. What did you think of um, Cheers? What did you think of Cheers? I, re- I really like Cheers. I'm, I'm not going to pretend I know it as well as Fraser yeah. because I don't. Um, I've watched a bunch of episodes and I've really enjoyed it. But I can, I'm sorry, and I think it was brave to take Fraser of all the characters and yeah. give him his own sitcoms. I think there would be some who um, might have given it to like a normal or something like that. And and, yeah. and what I think it shows and what I think is the most interesting thing about Fraser. By picking the intellectually pompous psychiatrist, yeah. I think what it shows you is, and this is my one shiny gem of insight in this entire podcast, maybe, is that I don't think Frasier is actually a TV sitcom comedy. I think it's actually a drama with jokes. I think it's, or at least it's a serious program, which with is jokes. funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I think comedy too often is like, oh, it wasn't funny, I don't like it, let's switch off. But if you watch episode of Frasier, you find out far more about character and about the human, not just human mind, obviously, yes. but like human foibles than a normal sitcom. That's why I like it. Okay, but I actually, I like it as well, but I'm in the uh, opposite boat to you. I've okay. seen a lot more cheers ah, than okay. at Frasier. But again, I love the fucking characters of Frasier. Um, so... What got you into it? Um, I had a teacher at school, a very charismatic, very strange yeah. man. He used to talk about his... I sound so creepy now, I promise you it wasn't at the time. Well, maybe it was, maybe I was too young. But he used to have like his fantasy world. He, he used to have like, fantasy worlds where he'd tell us about where like, mice would like bring... like On all of our tests, there were like, little pictures of mice who like carry them there. And he had this... like alter ego like wife I now realise it's merits by the way I now yeah. realise that he had this idea of a wife you never saw who was always like demanding he was, he was a very charismatic yeah. teacher and when at the end of turn that class him when I had nothing to teach he was ready to give you a video or whatever when mostly just gave us you know like I don't know 
let you watch football or, or let you yeah. watch YouTube videos. He made us watch Frasier, and I remember Goodbye. very clearly 19 people, 19 boys, school boys, not laughing, and me laughing really hard. And I remember yeah. that. That's when it started. So, do you reckon now is when you start to understand comedy? Yeah, I do. I think I would be a vastly different thinker as well as a comedian if I didn't have Frasier, because it, it identifies both human strength and human yeah. perfection in a really elegant way. Kelsey Grammer is a very he's a he's a weird creature, isn't he? Because he's he's known to be a bit of an arsehole off stage. Yeah. However, he's quite his the character of Fraser is quite left lean, quite left leaning, isn't it? You're absolutely spot on. I think we have a very inter- I think I mean what what an interesting. Um, paradox. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, interesting paradox to have uh, of the basically one of the only right-leaning performers there is, uh, um, relatively speaking. Well, outward, well, outwardly, or at least, yes. Well, still working, right? Well, still yeah. working, yes. Um, I don't think it's helped his career very much. But then again, I'm also a believer that uh, it shouldn't hold him. Why should it hold him back? It's true. He's not suggesting gassing people. He's suggesting that a repu- and a different America politics is beyond politics. Yeah, it's a state of mind. Republicanism. Um, uh, uh, independence, freedom of speech, low, yeah. uh, low tax, whatever. That's a state of mind as much yeah. as it is a, a political stance. So I don't think Kelsey Grammer is advocating detaining children on the board no. or something like that. I think he's just talking about. And, and to be fair, the interviews with him, he just talks about his childhood. He talks yeah. about a kind of nomadic, hi- pioneering childhood yeah. I, in, with a capital P. Um, so yeah. Um, I do think there is a real silencing of. I'm, I'm fairly left wing, mm. right? Fairly. But I feel like there is a real silencing in Hollywood of right wing of right wing voices. Yeah, I don't think it does us any favours on some of them. To be fair, no. I, you know, uh, there are some nutters out there. But yeah, there is a silencing. I, I you know, um, well, no, I don't mean like extreme right wing. I mean no, like just no. yeah, I support like oh yeah, I do support Trump, but I don't like yeah, let, let, uh, yeah, and, and let's not pretend as well. Trump, Trump is obviously an, an anomaly, which I don't yeah. really want to. I don't think yeah. we should get bogged down in. But yeah. as if. All those Hollywood actors weren't voting for George W. Bush's tax cuts yeah, or true, George yeah. W. Bush's, oh, George, sorry, Bush's senior's tax cuts. Of course they were. So let's not, yeah. let's not pretend. Uh, it's just that in this country, in that country, uh, in, in right wing is two slightly different things. Although it is becoming increasingly similar. Yeah. Um, well, it used to be. It was their, uh, uh, their left wing was our right wing. <laughs> That's how it used to be. Yes, although in a very funny way, uh, extreme. No, I don't want to say extreme far right. That's what I mean. Traditional far right, as in um, uh, uh, d- defending the individual, yeah. uh, uh, protection of, you know, uh, veneration of the constitution, whatever. It actually, in some ways, is quite left wing. Yeah. In terms of the state, not in. Uh, not I mean. interfering. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah but, but that does sound right wing now. All I mean is in terms of uh, freedom of expression, of freedom yeah. of the person, rather than being told what to but do. That's more yeah. libertarian now than yes. anything. Yes, exactly. And obviously, look. Yeah. What, what, what I wish someone would tell politics programs, both comedy and serious, is that basically politics is actually quite complicated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you cannot always um, bracket things so neatly. So, back to Fraser. Please. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, they did have a resident Britain there. They did. Miss uh, Jane Leaves. Which is, uh, my girlfriend won't watch it. My girlfriend's from Manchester. She won't watch Fraser because she finds the accent too irritating. What I find stunning about well, she's an actual English accent. Yes, she's and what, an she's from Essex, I think. Yeah. And what is extraordinary about that is that they went to her, no, we don't think Essex is English enough. Can you do anything else? She went, I can do Manchester. And so it was born, which is presumably absolutely baffling to Americans. Yeah. They don't understand me, so they don't understand. <laughs> I sound like a, sort of every British officer who's sending you to your death. So, uh, so they're not going to. So they're not going <laughs> to. understand a Mancunian woman. Yeah. 
uh, I think she's absolutely stunning actress. Oh, uh, and James so I think phenomenal. so she has a harsh rap in this country basically for doing a pretty middling Mancunian act. Um, yeah. But she's a brilliant actress in it. I think, look, but fundamentally, there's, there's not a weak member of the cast at all, at all, apart from when Daphne's family arrived in the last series, which was shocking. But apart from them, but I, they're basically given up at the moment. Um, but yeah, sorry, please go on. No, it's fair. No, that's that's great. That was really good. Um, I was going to say, so how do you think he progr- Fraser's progressed from... Okay, forget Cheers. How do you think he's progressed from the first episode across all 11 seasons? How do you think he's progressed? That's a stunning question because... It's a stunning question in itself. Well done. <laughs> as, in, yeah. as in, you're a cracking interviewer. Watch out, Goldsmith. Um, <laughs> but it's a stunning question for Fraser, particularly because, like the best things, in my opinion... As you say, there is progression. You watch a lot of comedy. There's basically progression. Yeah, you choose friends. It's fine. But Joey, yeah. is, Joey is ultimately Joey at the end. Yeah. Frasier. The most, my favourite scene in Frasier. One of my top scenes in Frasier is not a comedy scene. It's a serious scene. It's the very, very end. And it's a crack in his voice, Kelsey Grammer, when he's talking, where he basically says that he's leaving Seattle for good because everyone else has found that happiness which eludes him. Yeah. And the irony of that over 11 series, whatever it is, that he has been has helped theoretically hundreds of people in yeah. it find happiness thousands of people in it find happiness yeah, he cannot find happiness himself, himself. Yeah. that is what I think is just beautiful because as you say he has grown to accept by the end that he must make a positive change yeah. and that change is very simple which is to, to pursue Charlotte at the end sorry for ruining Frasier yeah. um, to Chicago and Who you never played, find out yeah. how it works yeah, ends up she was played by Laura Linney yes, correct yes yeah. absolutely spot on very good uh, you've been doing your research today yeah. because you must have to research a lot of sitcoms whereas I've only had to have a think back to my childhood <laughs> to remember who's in it yeah uh, I don't know any other sitcoms as well as I know Frasier um, yes and Again, I love the fact that it's never resolved. It's never yeah. said what happens. For all we know, knowing Frasier, he'll muck it up. And Kelsey Grammer, by the way, has alluded in later interviews that he doesn't think it would have worked out, that Frasier would have become single again. That's, oh, that's statistically, because he fails in all his relationships. Yeah. But what a stunning move to make him leave behind the very city where he started by arriving at the start. Because um, he left the barn, he left Chis, he left the... Um, he left Chis because his marriage has gone down the pan. Yeah. And then he's, then we find him in. Yes, and of course, don't get me wrong character's grown in many other ways as well and he's become more self-aware and there's a uh, towards the end he's more comfortable in his own skin yeah but still trying to find love i find it interesting actually to be yeah. fair i've never thought about this before interesting in a lot of sitcoms they take away the necessity to have a child for the male so for example ross and friends got a kid early doors you don't have to worry about it yeah frazier was saying he's got frederick early doors so that's not an issue it's not like he's gonna not have a child but he's not gonna have a wife in this yeah. case what I find quite interesting about Fraser uh, against other sitcoms is that they do allow the character to grow because like, a lot of the more a lot of the, a lot of sitcoms we see today, the ones that have been going on for about eight or not nine to ten seasons, mm. the characters we love them because they don't stay because they don't grow and they are the same and then they become more comfort food. But then I guess that's what made Fraser different because it wasn't comfort food. It was. So it was a lot more intellectual than that. It was a bit more of a gourmet dinner, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a gourmet dinner. It's very good. Uh, and very apt for Frasier. So many scenes set around gourmet yeah, dinner. Yeah, of course. Um, yes, don't get me wrong. It's an old-fashioned French fast in many bits of it. But, yeah. but as we've already established, it's serious. And in that sense, he has grown and he wears the scars of failed things in a very elegant manner. Um, I just think it's superb. Yeah. And I think... 
David High Pierce grows. Oh, sorry. Oh, Niles, yeah. Niles grows. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I'm, enjoy, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this less than subtle att- attempt to get us out of this cafe by uh, around this guy as they try and shut it up. But yeah. we, we won't be moved. No. Um, yes, I think all the characters. Roz, understatedly brilliantly, she grows in a massive way. She has a child. She, uh, God, who the hell does Roz end up with in the end? Does she end up with anyone? Uh, God, my memories fail me. Yeah, I think so. Does she? Ross ends up with someone. Oh, but it'll come back to me later. Oh, she ends up with no. She doesn't know Nas. Doesn't he? Doesn't he? Doesn't Fraser marry her? Oh, you you you, you, you mean uh, Nas is up with Daphne? Ah, uh, Ross sorry. ends up with Ross. I thought had a partner at the end. Am I going completely mad? Can't remember. Can't remember. Uh, we'll, re- we'll watch it. In preparation for this, I should have already watched it, but I didn't. Uh, I, I I thought I've watched every episode at least five times, yeah. so I shouldn't remember. No, I yeah. last. That's brilliant. Your memory of it is fucking brilliant, though, to be fair. Well, I, I've watched every episode about five times. So I should know more. Yeah. I should know more. I've just had a bit of a brain so, freeze. Do you think that, because in recent interviews, he's, Kelsey Grammer has hinted that there is going to be yes. a reboot? I think, be, I, think be, I think it'd be an absolute disaster. I think it'd be a mitigated disaster because... You didn't you need to hear my question, did you? That's brilliant. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I just think that... I'm, I'm so passionate about not rehashing things. Leave, leave it. I'm sure you've had this on this podcast before, but the best sitcoms, 40 Towers, left it. The yeah. Office left it. Oh, no, it didn't leave it. That's the problem with The Office. It should have bloody left it. And I, why he touched it, I've got absolutely no idea. But the best fans don't even care. Best yeah. fans, I don't even watch like I watch 10 Minutes of Life on your own and turn it off. I can stand it. Um, so just leave it. Tim and Dawn, leave it. Bloody leave it. Yeah. Uh, they're bringing back Gavin and Stacey. Why? Leave the fucking thing alone. Um, that's my opinion. Anyway. That's fair enough, man. <laughs> so why do you think that? Do you think that Frasier, like if they, like forget a reboot, do you reckon it could work in today's climate as it was no. back then? No, I don't think. I, I think there's almost. I think there's almost nothing, and I mean this, almost nothing. Well, no. I mean, answer me this: How many things haven't dated at all? Zero. Uh, Darren and Stacey is probably the easiest thing to pick out of so much space hasn't dated. There are still references you could never get away with. Uh, well, they don't trouble the time for mentioning murder as a surname. That's bad. There's one or two rape gags in there, or at least like, I just don't think they bother. I don't think they bother doing a rape alarm gag now. I don't think they bother doing like a getting a girl drunk and having sex with her like fingers as at the wedding. I don't think they bother. I just don't think it's worth the hassle, and that's what it's about. Even though a lot of these things, you know, as, as if in 2019, no one's getting people drunk at a wedding and having sex with them. Of course, that happens every day. But the hassle involved with making that manifest in the script is not worth it. So, no, I don't think friendship will work. I think people would have a problem with. I mean, there are episodes that stand out, obviously. But, uh, I think people wrongly now, I think Frasier, oh, interestingly, Frasier's written by a huge number of gay writers, yeah. huge number of yeah. gay writers, Joe Keenan especially. Um, who well, it's got a lot of gay jokes in it. Or at least it has a lot of allusions to gay jokes. David Hyper is gay, obviously. Yeah. Loads of that, a, a guy who plays Gil, I think, is gay as well. Uh, maybe, maybe he's not, but he certainly plays a, he plays a repressed yeah. character. Um, I he think was now. He's gay in Hollywood yeah, anyway. Exactly. But I think they would, again, they wouldn't bother yes. with the hassle. Um, but, and I think that's odd because Frasier touches on there are some brilliant moments where Frasier actually there's one very elegant moment where Frasier admits to Martin that he's frightened he might be gay ah. not, not in a negative way but isn't it as, as if every man at some point or whatever woman who hasn't thought yeah. about an issue of sexuality and it's very elegantly dealt with yeah. but again now I'm sure someone would tweet away and go well actually let him be himself yeah, and you're exactly. like and you're like, well that's not how life is people worry about things because of their family because of the pressures whatever it might be of course people worry in the end so that he's not he hasn't yeah. but, but again would they bother doing that plotline now? Probably not, because even though it's realistic, 
you just flew around being cancelled, so yeah. called. And, and how ridiculous, by the way, is it that David High Pierce could get away? And this what a climate we created is David High Pierce could get away with doing it because yeah. he's a gay actor. Yeah. But Chelsea Grammer couldn't, which is mental. Because what difference does it bloody make? They're not saying it the first time. It's written. They're not real people. Yeah. Oh, stunningly, stunning, stunningly, stunningly weird era. That is. I think that is. I think, I think that callback, <laughs> that full circle that he's got, is a great place to end it. Absolutely fine. Thank you very fine. much for having me. Thank um, you. Um, so promote your shit, man. Yeah, if I could, that's all right. Thank you very much. Um, I'm, I don't really do plugs. This is very nice. Um, oh, I'd like to promote uh, my solo show, Alexander Fox Snare. Yeah. That's on 31st of July to, I think, the 26th of August. Every single day, I'm not taking a break. 6 p.m. at the Pleasance Courtyard. Tickets are available online. I could do with shifting a few. If you're out there thinking, I'll book when I get up there, uh, book now, guys. That's, that's the same for all acts who aren't big, like me, who are worried about pre sales because it's a big financial commitment. If we know you're coming, it just takes the weight off our minds. It makes us a bit less nervous. Uh, and the other show is Shaking Not Stirred, the improvised James Bond film, which is on uh, 1st to the 25th, not the 12th, uh, at just the tonic. Uh, at midday again tickets are available online for that it is a pay what you want show so you could pay on the door I advise booking in advance and to be honest there's a bucket at the end anyway so to be honest why not secure the tickets as we do tend to sell out especially on the busier days Um, thanks very much for having me it's been an absolute absolute pleasure thanks so much I've really really enjoyed it thank you so yeah, that was Alex Fox, and I really hope you guys got as much out of that conversation as I did actually doing the interview. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at your boy Gibbo. You can go onto my website, uh, yourboygibbo.com, which I really need to update, don't I? Let's be honest. And you can follow me on Instagram at gibbogram1. And as always, please check out any of the comedy dates. And if you're in Edinburgh, come to Dropkick Murphys at 6:45 for the ticked boxes you hopefully won't regret it ladies and gentlemen you've been great thanks for listening guys and i'll be back with you next week when my interview guest will be the wonderful kev rook so yeah listen out for that thanks guys